Hello. Hello, Elizabeth McDonald. Oh my gosh, it's so nice to hear your voice. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Today I'm sharing an amazing conversation I had with one of the best people I know, Patrick Delaney. He was my high school music teacher and has been a high school music teacher for 22 years now. I was thrilled to have him on the podcast because I really wanted to learn more about his process of becoming a music teacher, the ups and downs of his job, and really hear his experiences. I figured a lot of us may not truly know what being a music teacher is like, what you actually need to know and do and learn or what pursuing a music degree is like. It was very eye-opening and it was so nice to catch up with him again, so I hope you guys enjoy. If you do enjoy the episode, remember to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcast if that's where you're listening to my podcast because it would really help the podcast algorithm and really help to get my podcast spread around and listened to by more listeners. Okay, enough rambling. Let's get into it. Okay, So how about you start off by introducing yourself, maybe give everyone some background on who you are. Sure. Uh, My name is Patrick Delaney, and I am a music teacher in Ontario. Um, I work for the Blue Water District School Board, and I have been a music teacher for 22 years now. Wow, very impressive. So did you always know that you wanted to become a music teacher, or did you not know that until when you reached a certain point in your life? Uh, It's funny. Um, In elementary school, when you first meet your music teacher, I think it's grade six or grade seven, where you stumble into the instrumental music room. I I very much enjoyed it. I, I liked the class. I liked it all. But my teacher that we had was not very inspiring. Like, it's not like the the lights shone down from heaven and I thought, oh, I want to be like him. It, it was kind of quite the opposite. I don't think he really knew what he was doing. And so as the course went on, I, I kind of sat there learning my trumpet thinking, I could do this better than you, uh, like in, in, in a respectful way, in a respectful way. But somehow he, he was the magnet that drew me to being a music teacher. And then, and then when I went to high school, I had an amazing high school music teacher. So I, I truly did see the halo on her head that this is the job I want to do and this is the, the career I want to follow. She was just inspiring and, and uh, so passionate about music, so passionate about teaching. Um, you, you, you just couldn't help but want to follow in her footsteps. So I think that's where it clicked was, was my, my high school years. Okay, so you never really deeply considered pursuing anything else? Uh, oh gosh, yes. Uh, you know, when you fill out those, those bubble sheet questionnaires in high school that, you know, show your interests or whatnot, uh, helicopter pilot uh, was in there. And, and I giggle about it. But boy, is it ever an amazing trade right now. And if you if you're to check the, the salary or the, the job specs on being a helicopter pilot, it's, it's spectacular. Um, if you're in music, and, and you're playing, I, I, I thankfully switched from trumpet to drums. You dream of like, well, what if I could be a drummer? What if I could be in a band? What if I could tour the world? Like, like every musician gets those dreams at some point. And I did a co-op uh, placement when I was in high school, like like so many people do, 
as a music teacher and and even there i just it all clicked this is exactly is exactly what i want to do so the co-op experience was was sort of the nail in the coffin okay that's awesome i was actually wondering what a day in the life of a music teacher looks like maybe you could give this in the context of before covid and if you feel sure. like giving it in in today's world as well you can yeah before covid boy i would i would keep you here a long time um it it uh it's not a day in the life. It is, it is a lifestyle. It is a 24 hour, seven day a week kind of lifestyle because um, I mean, not only do you show up and, and teach the classes that you've been assigned to teach, but you usually have a, a, a foot or two in the extracurricular programs. And so you're usually running a band or a choir or an orchestra. And so like, you know, it, it sort of works into your evenings or it works into your lunch hours or on, on your weekends even. And then uh, it works into the community where they want your band to play at Remembrance Day or there's a community function in the summertime that we'd like your jazz band to be at. So it, it, it's, it's, not, it's not a punch in at nine o'clock, punch out at three, 3.30 kind of job. It's a, uh, I think music teaching is very much a lifestyle. You're, you're, you're called upon by members of the community to perform. And, and I thankfully have always uh, enjoyed doing that. So it's, it's a lifestyle, I think. Awesome. Were you ever nervous or worried about pursuing a degree in music? Because I feel that some people believe that pursuing a career in music is, is silly and that's going down that sort of path is just not smart. Yeah, uh, music or art or drama. I, I know there's a lot of those degrees where, where people think, you know, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? So I, I, I get that. I get that. Uh, was I worried about pursuing a degree in music? Uh, yes, uh, for, for two reasons. Um, one, the wonderful people that I went to school with were amazing. They were such talented people. And I think I was uh, a big fish in a little pond and I got to see the the bigger fish in the biggest pond. And uh, it was humbling. It was humbling. So I was nervous in, in that regards um, because I was easily the eighth most talented percussionist of the 10 that were at my school. Um, but I enjoyed that. I enjoyed seeing the levels of, of my friends and the, the, the work that they were producing. So I was, I was nervous there, but it was, a, it was a good kind of nervous. But in terms of like the long-term job forecast, I mean, it would be a guaranteed paycheck as an artist. Like, you know, if you're teaching, you, you do, do get that regular paycheck, but you get to then also be an artist. You get to explore your craft and, and show others the world of music. So it was sort of that guaranteed income while being an artist. And I think a lot of people are able to balance that, teach during the day to, to pay your bills, but then enjoy your artistic experiences um, elsewhere, extracurricular or, or on weekends. So yeah, nervous, nervous on both those levels. Right, for sure. Did you ever want to become like a musician in a band? Like, was that yes. ever your yes. focus? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, yes. Uh, I think once you get a drum set in front of you or, or a guitar in front of you, the, the dreams of touring the world or opening for U2 or something uh, or having U2 open for you um, <laughs> is, is a huge dream. Yes. Um, I just knew that the hours upon hours of work it would take to play at that level I would rather have been teaching people about music 
Um, so it became this debate over, do I sit in a practice room and just slave over my craft as a, as a musician, or do I spend those hours out in the field teaching and working with other people? And I, I chose that. But oh yes, oh my gosh, in a heartbeat. If if somebody called me now and said we need a drummer for our band to tour, I would <laughs> I would go in a heartbeat. But um, it's the decisions you make, I guess, along the way. Right, and let's be real. You were part of a band, weren't you? Like before COVID, you had a little band together. I I am. Yeah, I'm still in a in a little quartet, a uh, bunch of friends that get together once a week, and um, I love it. it. The they're very they're very good players and they're perfectionists. So it, it, they've pushed my playing to a higher level, but we're, we're cover band, you know, we do cover songs and uh, we just have fun. It, and so, yes, it, it's been great and great fun. Yeah. That allows you to have like, you know, the best of both worlds then teach yeah. and, and play with, with some close friends. So. And, and keep your art going. Yes. Right. Um, music teacher in COVID. Do you want me to go down that road for a second? Uh, sure. <laughs> Because it's very different. Uh, it is, you know, we just want to be safe, right? We want to make sure the students are safe. We as teachers want to be safe. So you you can't do all the things you used to do, the extracurriculars and those sorts of things. And um, kids aren't even supposed to sort of get up and move around the room. They're supposed to stay in their seat. And um, it is very different right now. And now it is very much a 9 to 3.30 job because they don't want kids staying around after school. And you're not supposed to stay around after school. And now it is very much, um, uh, it now feels like a, a day job, whereas before it felt like a lifestyle. So yeah, it's, it's different. It's right. Different. I guess I should have asked you, I'm assuming the kids have to be like fairly spread out in the classroom and are masks worn? How can you wear a mask when you're playing a wind instrument? How does that, that all look? Yes, they are spaced out. And thankfully I have a room uh, for the short future uh, that allows kids to space out. Um, so we've got good distance between everybody. They wear a mask all the time. Uh, so during theory discussions or history or whatever, we always have our masks on. And because we have strings at our school, that helps because you can still play your cello with a mask. So band, we do band, but it's it's to a minimum, like probably a half an hour a day. Um, we, we tried to go outside the, for the most part when it was warmer weather. You have to keep your mask on when you're not playing. So that one moment where you put your trumpet up to your face, you have to pull your mask down for a little bit. I mean, most of the droplets scientifically go into that mouthpiece or into the saxophone mouthpiece. They don't spray left and right and up and down. They're, they're concentrated into that mouthpiece. So it's, it is quite safe. And there's a lot of studies out that have shown, you know, through sensitive photography work that the droplets are not splattering everywhere the only one is the flute <laughs> the flute's the one where things kind of might splatter or spray so they sit in a up at the front of the classroom kids have one set of instruments that they have at home that stay at home and they have another set of instruments in school that stays in school so that there isn't that carrying back and forth and there's lots of cleaning um so yeah we've been able to do it very safely and um thankfully uh very safely yeah oh that's good just just so different i can't so imagine that <laughs> i was wondering what your your schooling background looked like like where did where did you go and how long were you in school for i did my bachelor of music at queens uh so that is a you know a very concentrated degree you you do nothing else but you do nothing else it's music and only music and so it's theory and history and 
ear training and piano and everything, everything. Um, uh, I chose that because I wanted to be a really good music teacher. I could have done a Bachelor of Arts and sort of major in music, but I, I wanted to put all my eggs in the music basket. And, and I'm, th- I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. I stayed for five years. I could have graduated after four, but I wanted to keep going. Uh, so I, I did five full years of Bachelor of Music with full course loads every year. Uh, and then I did my teacher's college at Queen's as well. And, uh, and that was it. That was, uh, that was my training. I'm, I'm very glad I did the Bachelor of Music program. Okay, that's, that's good then, because I feel like someone like myself who was a little unsure of what exactly what the exact path I was going to be going down when I went into university was kind of thankful that my degree, um, my program allowed me to try out a bunch of different courses to get a taste of a bunch of different areas. But yeah. that's very cool that you knew, you know, you knew music was what you wanted to pursue. That's, that's just I envy that. I kind of well, wished when I was younger, I knew exactly what I wanted to do and went for it. <laughs> it's um, it's sort of a mixed blessing though, because I, I mean, I'm so thankful I was tunnel visioned and I went straight into, you know, bachelor of music all day, all night, nothing but music. But the disadvantage, you know, to what you just said is I didn't get that diversity of an education, which you, which you have. Um, so when they plunk me in an English classroom or a math classroom, I am lost. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah. I specialized so um, concretely in music that it left me quite vacant in other places. Right, right, for sure. It's just, I guess, most people hope yet, you know, when you what you want to go to school for and what you want to pursue as a as a job that you end up doing for a long yeah. time. So. Yeah, I'm I'm thankful that yeah that the pathway that I chose ended up coming true yeah for sure right so I was just curious to become a music teacher I'm sure it's a requirement that you need to know how to play at least one instrument right yes yes you, you should you should know one um so I, I specialized in percussion I did orchestral percussion at Queen's um I auditioned I had to work my butt off to get uh, my grade eight conservatory percussion degree uh, so that was that was very helpful. But I knew I wanted to be a music teacher. And so rather than concentrating on percussion, I took all the courses where you could learn how to play all the other instruments and the, the pedagogy behind all the other instruments and um, the care and maintenance of all the other instruments. So they had that, that pathway at university. A lot of my friends focused on performance where they they worked on their one instrument and nothing else just that one instrument for four university years and they are remarkable musicians out in the in the, in the industry right now but I knew I wanted to teach so I I let my orchestral percussion drift a little bit so that I could focus on on the other areas the other instruments right well that makes a lot of sense what instruments do you know how to play like what name them all off okay well I I call myself you know that it's the classic uh um I've, I've studied them all, but I am a master of none. I, I, I would say percussion would be my, my go-to main instrument where, where I feel very fluent in, in all those sort of classical aspects of percussion. Uh, I've played guitar since elementary school and, um, and trumpet since elementary school. But I, I also took um, an interest in voice when I was in university and took a lot of vocal lessons and joined a lot of ensembles that 
uh, allowed for vocal education. So that was wonderful. But then the courses at Queen's got me through all the woodwinds, got me through all the band instruments. The only course, this will, this will interest you, the only course I did not take, Elizabeth, was strings. Because I thought, what school in Ontario has strings? I was from Eastern Ontario, where it's all band. Banned. Like every high school was banned, as far as the eye could see, banned. And what's the first job I get in Ontario? At a <laughs> string school. So, uh, boy, was I was I uh, egg on my face. Um, so I took private lessons for a year or two here in the area to get my string skills up to par and my string pedagogy up to par. So I, I feel comfortable on all of them. I feel, yeah, I feel comfortable on all of them. Okay, that's cool. I guess I never really thought that deeply about it. Just when you look for jobs and apply for jobs as a music teacher, it would be important to pay attention to to what what <laughs> instruments there are that you'd have to be teaching. Okay, I screwed up. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it worked out. It worked out, right? We wouldn't have totally. met each other. We wouldn't have met each other if I yeah. True. It's there you true. Go. <laughs> what 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 which one was the hardest instrument that that you learned to play? Oh my god, the bassoon like without hesitation the bassoon that is just a beast of buttons and and yeah it is and and every kid i've had who have picked who's picked up the bassoon i've warned them like this is this is the one that breaks people so so uh you know you gotta you gotta be willing to take the challenge usually the kids who who go with the bassoon are the ones who like bring it on I, i can do anything and so they've been remarkable kids so that kind of attitude will get you a lot of places right but yeah by far by far the bassoon so to any of my bassoon listeners out there, I apologize. I guess I wanted to ask about, because I didn't know if you always wanted to be a conductor of an orchestra or if you ever pictured yourself in that role. Um, was it something that you you wanted to do when you knew you wanted to, to become a music teacher? Or you, you kind of fell into that? Not when I first started the journey of being a music teacher. Like when I saw that elementary teacher of mine that I mentioned earlier or or when I first saw my high school music teacher conducting, I, conducting didn't, didn't, I don't know, it didn't register at the beginning. But when I went to university, a lot of things unfolded in front of my eyes where conducting, the world of conducting or conducting as an occupation suddenly opened up my eyes. A remarkable conductor at Queen's named uh, Dr. Surrett, uh, Dr. Mark Surrett, uh, singing in his choir his university choir I was just stunned at, at the brilliance of this man and I I did that was the revelation that I had to I had to do what he was doing because it was just uh it was almost ballet in front of uh in front of the musicians he was he was he was a magician and an artist so it was third year uh meeting him uh, in third year, a lot of other opportunities opened up. I, I, I took a conducting course, and, and the teacher of that course was also fantastic, uh, Dr. Bates. And he uh, saw something in, in my work, or he saw something in my um, output that he, he, he offered me some opportunities to be an assistant conductor with him in some musical theater um, shows, some musical theater gigs that, that he was a part of. Um, and then I, I did a university specialization in conducting. It was a course you could take in fourth year. And just, it, it, it was just a snowball. I just couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't close the door. It just, it just, doors kept opening. Um, and so, yeah, I did think of, you know, what if music teaching is not what I want to do? If I want to maybe pursue conducting um, on a larger scale, but, uh, you know, the, the realist in me kicked in where I started thinking, well, how many orchestras are there in the, North America and how how far do I really think I could get 
Um, you know, what's the, what's the income? Isn't that what most people think? And so again, it came back to like, well, if I do music teaching, I could be that conductor and get a regular paycheck working with, with, with teenagers and doing all those other things that I love. So um, I'm so lucky that the, that the job I have allows me to, to have other outputs like conducting. So yeah, for sure. Totally. And I feel like as a conductor, you can't, you can't give the same value to, to those as you can as being a teacher. You can pass on what you've learned and your experiences to others who can then take their musical talents and experiences to their own worlds. So, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. A, a professional conductor has this wonderful job of working with the greatest musicians in their community, uh, in the region. Um, whereas I have enjoyed, as sort of as you just mentioned, teaching kids about the, the world of music and the, the art of music and the gift of music, the magic of music. And um, the conductor doesn't quite get that same hands-on opportunity. Totally. And, and you don't even need to, to want to pursue music as a career to take it. Music mm-hmm. can just impact anyone and everyone so, so vigorously, you know, so passionately. It affects everyone in such a positive way. So I'm just so happy that you were my music teacher. And Well, I, I've always, I, I think I might have mentioned that when I meet the kids in grade nine, how lucky it is to be their music teacher because, you know, a lot of kids don't go home and um, sing math equations or they don't uh, take private lessons in science, but private guitar lessons, yeah, or or their Spotify playlist is probably on on 24-7. So music is very much a part of the teenage soul and they get to take a class called music. So it's 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 very fortunate. I always joke that if there was a course in high school called video games, um, you know, the enrollment would go through the roof. But uh, close to that would be a course in music where kids sign up because they want to talk about and hear about and learn about something they're really passionate about. And hopefully the teachers as well. For sure. And I'm sure maybe you've thought about this question, but it, and you could give such a great answer, I'm sure, is uh, what do you love most about being a music teacher? I know 100% it is the connections. It's, it's the, for the, the people you meet, because every year a group of, of grade nines come in and they are wonderful people with, with such open eyes and open thoughts and, and open opinions. Um, and so every year, every September, I'm so excited because I get to meet that, that crop and make those connections. But then as they stay with you through grade nine and go on into grade 10, and suddenly they're in grade 11, and now they're graduating they're in grade 12. Again, it's the connections. I feel like we just did a four year journey together and, and we've grown and I've watched you grow and I've watched you shine and I've watched you conquer your mistakes and, and conquer your fears and, and then we say goodbye at graduation and, and it's, it, it's this connection. And then even beyond that, when I, when I bump into students after graduation, we stop for five, 10 minutes and talk with each other about what are you up to? What are you doing? Where, where are you going now? And uh, again, a connection. Um, and now, you know, 22 years into my career, I, I sometimes get a phone call on a, on a Friday night from a student or someone will knock on my door on a Saturday night because they wanted to say hello and, and it's a connection. So I know that can happen in other subjects. That, that happens to many of our English teachers and our math teachers and our science teachers. Um, but maybe it's those musical pieces that we played together that were so tough at the beginning, but we conquered it. Or maybe it was that gold medal we got at Kiwanis. Or remember that time we played Dvorak in, 
in the Edinburgh Castle, like those, those connections that maybe the science and math teachers don't get. But music maybe has a little bit of um, magic in, in those connections where the music is what brought you together. So, so what do I love most about music teaching? Connections. Totally. And just, just you talking about that. I, for a while, I remember being in, you know, grade six, seven, eight, I always wanted to be a teacher and that I kind of lost that, but you know, there's no, there's no rule book saying I can't go back to school, can't go Absolutely. Back to college to, if that's what I figure out, I want to pursue just having connections with students like the way you did. It's just who wouldn't want that kind of job or experience, right? Yeah. Even, um, I mean, I think to the class that was in uh, grade 13, when they had grade 13, they were in grade 13 when I first started teaching. Those kids are now, they, they turned 40 this year. I am still in touch with many of them. Uh, one or two of them were in my um, wedding party when I got married. Uh, a lot of them came to my wedding. Um, I, I, they now have, they're married with kids. Um, I, and we're, we're still in contact. Those connections are still as strong now, uh, thanks to you know social media, and it's easier to stay in touch with people. But I still have those connections dating back 22 years. That's awesome. I need to know if has being a music teacher been everything that you dreamed of? Like looking back at everything you've experienced as a high school music teacher, has has everything kind of lived up to your expectations? Um, maybe maybe get into that. Uh, and the answer, I mean, you're probably thinking I'm going to say yes, and, and it is a yes, but, but there's a no attached. So my answer is yes and no. So I think I'll, I'll start with the negative so we can, you know, end, end positive. Right. Um, has it been everything I've dreamed of? No, uh, in, in a sense, because I, I, I never realized how hard you would have to fight, especially in arts, to keep the thing you believe in live and I, I remember being warned in teachers college oh they're cutting arts left right it's the first thing to be cut they always used to say and I, I just couldn't believe that that would be true that people would remove music from a school or or look down upon it or or put it in a corner and when I you know my first I worked 15 years of, of, of teaching where I am now that did not happen. I, it was it was such an explosion of interest and support and enthusiasm. But you know, it does happen where things change and and um, the powers that be change, and you do maybe have to fight for your survival, for your program survival. Um, and it's exhausting. It's taxing. It's it's mentally straining. Um, so I didn't think that that would happen when I got into teaching. I just didn't think I would spend many years of my career uh, fighting to keep something that I believe in so powerfully alive. But I guess, you know, what, what uh, those challenges make you stronger down the road. So, um, so that's, that's that. But on the other hand, yes, becoming a music teacher has been everything I thought of because uh, I wanted to build a program that was uh, of good quality. And, and did I, I think I did, because, you know, adjudicators at, at competitions would always compliment the quality of, of the work we were producing. Um, I wanted to travel with my students to show them the world of music outside of our, our small, humble, rural town. And did I do that? Yes. We, we've, we've been to New York and Washington and Boston, Chicago, and, and over to Europe. And um, you know, taking these kids from their rural setting out into the world has it, been wonderful. 
it's been rewarding. I, mean, I, I, I kept every letter that I've received from a kid or every card I've received from a student, you know, uh, or a letter of appreciation from a parent. I've kept them all. So I, 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 I'm glad that my work was appreciated. So, so has music teaching been everything I've ever dreamed of? Uh, yes and no. But overall, probably uh, the positive would, would rule out. Totally. And I'm sure no one saw COVID coming either. So that doesn't really yeah. match with people's dreams and, you know, doing what they love to do. So, but, you know, there's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I, I don't know if you've yourself had thought of like how your music program and music will change once, once things kind of go back to normal and, and when that would even be, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of factors at play because I'm sure going back to normal won't happen, you know, in the, in the snap of a finger, it'll, it'll be a slow progression back to normal. Um, And my career is, you know, I, I have a, I have a few years left, but, but not a lot. And so I, I hope I can get, I'm hoping able to rekindle all that magic and all that musical, you know, performance that we had before COVID. I'm hoping we can bring it all back again. Plus my children are almost at the age where they're going to be coming to this school. So I would like them to experience all the wonderful things that Elizabeth McDonald experienced and, and, and every GB music kid had a chance to experience. So, yeah, I think there's still a few more chapters to write. Um, especially once this COVID thing, you can, uh, can disappear. Gosh, I forgot how old your kids are getting. I think I think I was in grade nine when your when your son was born. I, I exactly think, I think so. Uh, twenty twelve, yes, because you graduated twenty sixteen. Yeah, so uh, he is now in grade three. <gasps> You're um, kidding. <laughs> my my daughter grade five, so they're creeping closer and closer to that grade nine year, and uh, yeah, it's the way it works. I can't believe it. Have you composed like a a piece of music before? This is so funny you ask this because just this week in my class, this conversation came up and I had to reveal something that I've never, ever mentioned to my students in my lifetime. So I don't know how it came up. Um, I think we were, there's this one unit we do where we talk about the instruments of the orchestra and how they have to transpose in order to play music together um, and how composers have to know certain rules about certain instruments so that their compositions sound good. Um, And I somehow mentioned to them that, yeah, when I was in grade 13, our major ISU project, we had to do a composition. And I was so into music at that point in time, grade 13, I'd spent five years with this amazing music teacher that I wanted to compose this full-length piece for my my high school concert band so it is long it is several hundred bars long it's for every instrument I mean first flute second flute first clarinet second clarinet all the way down everybody and um, I spent every waking hour of my life writing this piece I'd get up at the crack of dawn I'd write till school started on my spare I would write this piece at lunch I'd write this piece I'd come home from school and I'd work on this piece and and it was, I think it was okay. I think it was, it was good. My, my teacher uh, entered it in the Queen's University Young Composers Competition. And I got honorable mention. And I don't know what that means. Was there first place, second place, third place? 
ninth place, tenth place, and I got honorable mention. I don't know. Right. I, I, I don't know what honorable mention means. <laughs> um, but I, th- I I'll take it as I'll take it as a good thing. Um, but the best part about it was our graduation happened in November, which which is strange. Some schools do their graduation in November. Was your graduation in November, Elizabeth? Years was, right? I think it was October, actually, the end of October. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. You come back in the fall. You yeah. go off to university and you come back in the fall. So ours was, my high school did that. And so on graduation weekend, I went back early because I wanted to see my music teacher. And I, and I walked into the high school and I, I wanted to see her and, and she brushed me off. She's like, sorry, I can't, can't talk. Like, but I, it's, this is quick. It's me. I, and, and she brushed me off. She wouldn't, she wouldn't give me the time of day. And I thought, well, that's rather rude. And so I go to the graduation ceremony and I think, well, maybe I'll talk with her after the, the ceremony. Maybe she's just busy. Maybe she's got a lot of pressure on her, on her plate. But in the middle of the ceremony, you know, we get, our, we get our degrees, we get our diplomas and all the graduates go up. In the middle of the ceremony, the, the band always played a piece as like an intermission. And so I'm sitting in the audience for the first time in five years. I was always in the band and I'm waiting to hear, well, yeah, okay, what piece are they going to play for intermission? They played my piece at intermission oh. i could my my jaw went to the ground because i thought oh this is so embarrassing like like what if what if it's what if it's actually crappy but they played it through they played the whole the whole piece and that's why she my teacher brushed me off when i went to visit her because they were rehearsing and they didn't want patrick delaney around they so go away shush go away so i got shushed for for a reason um and then sure enough somebody in the in the audience had one of those massive video recorders that they had in the 1990s it was like you know the size of a suitcase and they recorded it and i have the recording i actually just converted it to digital over the christmas holidays and so somehow my grade nine class last week we were talking about this piece and one kid asked if they could see the recording and now i've got to decide whether i'm going to show my students my grade 13 composition Oh my goodness. That's, there you go. that's incredible. <laughs> but there were no strings, Elizabeth, because my high school didn't have strings. Oh, well, that's so, not, that's a little less go. incredible, but there you, there you <laughs> <go>. <laughs> was so at your graduation ceremony, was that the first time you actually heard your piece, yeah. piece played? Yes. Oh. Because in 1990, there was no computer that you could enter the notes into that would play it back for you. I did it all on a piano. I, I just sat at a piano and wrote all that. And I just could hear, I guess you can hear it in your head. You could hear the flute playing this. Um, but no, I had never heard it before. Now you would just put all your notes in a computer and hit play and the orchestra plays it back for you. Um, but yeah, and I, have, I haven't heard it since. <laughs> oh my, you haven't heard it since. That's crazy. One, one Saturday night in 1992. And that's it. <laughs> haven't heard it. Haven't heard it since. <laughs> And that's cool that, you know, you were, you recognized it right away. I'm sure like you wrote out every instrument, but I guess you had never heard everything together. That's cool that you you knew it. If you could have seen a 19 year old Patrick Delaney implode as the, as the, (laughs) as the MC introduced the piece, I just, I wanted to crawl under the chair and hide. But everybody, I, people liked it. They clapped. I mean, I guess you have to clap when, when at, at the end of a piece of music. <laughs> That's what everybody does, right? They clap. But yeah, it, was, it was lovely. It was lovely. Oh, I'm so happy I asked you that. I think you <laughs> you, you need to share that with your, your students if someone's well, asked. We'll see. 
we'll see. Hopefully they forget. Under COVID right now, you teach one class for an entire week and then you switch and you teach another class for an entire week. So I don't see them again until this coming Monday. So maybe they've forgotten during the week off. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) Well, I don't think I have any other questions for you. Very cool. That was fun. I was thrilled to have you on. This was so fun. I'm so happy you, you did this with me. Because not only does Elizabeth McDonald run a great podcast, she was a very kick-butt violin player back in her day. So uh, oh, she was lead God. She was lead violin, okay. everybody. All the listeners might be listening. She was lead violin of GBSS Orchestra. All right, that wraps it up for this week's episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed. And once again, if you did enjoy, make sure to leave a nice review and feel free to send me a message over the the JobShare podcast Instagram. It's just at the JobShare podcast. And I'll see you guys next week.